Hey, good morning, all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. Uh, Doug Badgett here. It's Thursday. I looked at the date, May 18th. Thursday, May 18th. Forgot what day it was yesterday. So, is it going to be any better just trying to add a day today? Uh, May 13th, Thursday, around here at the Common Good Podcast. On Thursdays, uh, we talk about a whole variety of things. One of the things we like to talk about is science. So, we often have astrophysicist Paul Wallace on with us. We also talk about the science of economics, and sometimes the science of economics and the uh, real old life of just regular folks like us all come crashing together, and that's one of the things uh, that's happening now as we talk about this debt ceiling. A debt ceiling. It seems like a good idea. It's not. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how the federal government budget works. If you're one of our big fans of modern monetary theory, understanding of how an economy works, you're just going to love today. If you're brand new to modern monetary theory chit-chat, uh, this might be a bit of a mind-bender for you. Uh, it's It can sound like someone's talking crazy talk and gibberish, uh, but I'm not. Uh, it's really going to just describe how a foreign, how a federal budget like in the United States operates because it's a it's called a sovereign currency, meaning that we produce our own money in the United States. We don't borrow money from other people. There, I see I'm already jumping into it. I get so excited. But there is no money that the f- is in our economy that doesn't come from the United States Treasury. That's the only place it comes from. And there's more money now than there used to be. Like when our country started, there was less U.S. dollars. Now there's more U.S. dollars. And we often call that growing the economy making the economy bigger, meaning there's more money and there's more people. And we, we don't just have more people in the same amount of money. That would cause inflation, of course, right? We have more dollars actually out in the world. And th- the way that more money exists in the world is that the treasury produces it. Like the actual way there is not $1, but $2 and not a billion dollars, but a trillion dollars is that the treasury creates it does that through banks. Banks are licensed by the federal government to be the distributors of that money. So then money is created by the treasury, given to banks, and the banks distribute it. That's that's how the economy works. We say euphemistically that businesses build the economy and create the economy. And yes, they're definitely the way that we interact with each other. We call those businesses or personal transactions. But where the money actually comes from, why there's more money now than there was in 1780 and there was in 1980 and there was, you know, five years ago is because the federal treasury produces it. That means that the federal government doesn't go get money from anywhere else. The federal government produces the money. So anyway, we're going to talk all about that. I'll probably say that a couple of more times because it's it was uh, insightful for me. I hope it was insightful for some of the rest of you. But I, I'm Doug Padgett. Uh, I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Chit chat, chat, chat about the weather always a bit here. It's going to be nice here in Minneapolis today, but a little uh, a little on the cloudy side and and hazy. A bunch of forest fires happening up in Canada, and because I live in a border state, the air from Canada uh, comes south and uh, we get hazy skies. So what's sort of a bit of a bummer for us, hazy skies, really a bummer in parts of Canada where it's super hot and uh, 
and forest fires are um, raging in a way that could become dangerous. So to all of you in Canada, all the best. All the best to you and your trees and your wildlife in those in those places. Let us know in the in the chat uh, where you are, what part of the world you're in, and you know a little little update on the weather in your place, because you know, as Disney tells us, we do all live under the same big sky. Or maybe that was maybe that was Linda Ronstadt and somebody else. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, we do all live under the same big sky. And so we, we do share that. We may not share a lot of other things. We may not share an understanding of how the economy works. We may not even understand, under, uh, share an understanding of how the Federal Reserve works or why we have one. Uh, but hopefully after today, we'll be a little closer. And we'll talk about how the, um, the debt ceiling plays into all of this, which is just silly business. Uh, some of our regulars uh, aren't here today. We often have guests on and we often have producer Dan, but Dan's uh, not, uh, not working for a couple of weeks here uh, on the podcast. So um, it's just me. And by the way, programming note for those who care about such things, next week's going to be even lighter. Uh, some family travel things and a big family wedding and it's over Memorial Day weekend. So it's going to be very light week uh, all of next week, maybe just one uh, common good stream and podcast happening next week. But let's talk about this debt ceiling because within a few weeks on June 1st, Janet Yellen has said, we're going to really have an issue here. And here's, here's why. Now, if you're already up on all this, sorry to bore you, I'll try to keep it quick, but also try to touch base for the people who maybe don't pay a lot of attention to these, to these kinds of things. All right. The Congress sets a budget in cooperation with the president of the United States. President submits a budget and then Congress passes it. And we, we end up with an agreement for how much money is going to be spent. One of the assumptions in the spending of money is that there's, I'm going to air quote this for those of you uh, uh, only listening to the audio version. Uh, there are debts. Now, the reason I air quote them is because the kind of debt that the federal government has is a different kind of debt than I have for my house or, you know, every month on a credit card bill or that I owe, you know, a friend of mine, different kinds of debts, different kinds of debts than businesses have. Federal government's debt is different than the kind of debt that your state government would have or that your local government would have or your county government. All of those governments don't produce their own money. They have to deal with all the money that exists. So if they have a debt, they have to get money from somewhere, a taxpayer, a fee, uh, an investment. They have to take in money. Then they keep that same amount of money and they put that into a bank account or into a savings place or into a, some kind of an instrument that protects the money. Then they give the money to the people they owe the debt to. Okay, that's how all the other governments, you and I, all function. The federal government, though, doesn't function like that because the federal government produces the money. So they don't take money in from you and I as taxpayers or from fees or from investments and then put it in an account and hold on to it. They use the treasury to produce new money. So every time, get a load of this. This is going to blow your mind. Every time Congress passes a budget and says, we're going to spend 
a dollar, a trillion dollars, doesn't matter the amount, right? Kind of, kind of bends our minds a little bit about, you know, <laughs> trillions and billions and bajillions of dollars, but it doesn't matter for the purpose of explaining how it works. When the Congress says we're going to spend money, so we're going to put money, uh, we're, we're going to have a budget that's going to spend money. Pause here again. Differently than when I set a budget, family budget or vote common good budget or a uh, a vacation budget. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to decide of the money I currently have, this is how I'm going to spend it. It's not what the federal government does. The federal government doesn't say, hey, maybe if we look around, we could check our bank account and find out how much money is in our bank account. And then we could decide how much, how to spend the trillion dollars in our bank account. It's not what they do. Every time Congress spends money, it's brand new money. To wrap your head around this first, the money that Congress says we're going to spend does not currently exist when they say we're going to spend it. It's not part of the money that exists in the economy now. The money doesn't yet exist. They say we're going to spend a billion dollars. That billion dollars doesn't exist. It will exist when it reaches a certain point in the calendar and the Treasury produces that amount of money. It's what the treasury does in relationship to the federal government. So Congress has authority to say, generate money, create the money. We call it spend money. But at the federal level, the words mean something different, right? It's, it's the thing you, you realize that the technical terms in all kinds of environments always make a huge difference, right? I won't use a hundred examples, but you know that words can mean different things in different technical circumstances. So at the federal budget level, when we say spend, it means create it and distribute it in the, in those particular ways. Okay. So every time Congress says spend money embedded in spend money is create the money. New money comes into being. So then you might say to yourself, well, if they just keep creating money, why is there just not so much money? Taxes, fees, but taxes primarily, is how money in the economy disappears. Federal taxes. Again, different than state taxes, different than your local taxes, different than your county taxes. We pay a lot of taxes. There's taxes in lots of lots of places. All of those places, local, state, county, those budgets deal with the money that exists. So when they say spend, they say we have to get it, and they're talking about something that already exists in the world. When the federal government says spend money, it means create it and insert it into the economy in these budget areas and, you know, into these for these purposes and with these strings attached and all, right? When the federal government, only the federal government, taxes citizens or businesses, they take money out of the economy and it goes away. That money that you pay in taxes goes away. It doesn't go into a bank account and get recycled. Honestly, I don't, I don't know, five, five years ago or something, uh, I was uh, talking with 
the economist who works with us here on, on this on this podcast has been off doing other things, so he can't be on with us. Fadl Kaboob, an economist professor, Dr. Fadl Kaboob. When he was explaining this, you can go back and watch our MMT conversations. I mean, it is like my head is spinning, but the light bulbs are going on because I'd heard bits and pieces of this my whole life. We all have. We've all heard bits and pieces of this, how this actually works. So the federal government produces the money that it's going to spend and then by taxes takes out the money that is received in taxes. We like to say, just sort of casually, you as a taxpayer pay for something at the federal level. So I have a bunch of friends and I'm included in this. I don't like it when I think my tax dollars that I have to spend to the federal government is going to go to pay for certain military devices. I don't want my money being spent for that. So some people like to say, like, I'm not going to have my money spent for that. My money's not going to go for that for that purpose. Well, the good news is, all y'all, your money, the money you have in your bank account right now or the money that you sent to the IRS you know, six or eight weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, that money, it wasn't used to buy anything. It wasn't used to pay for food programs to support people. It wasn't used to pay for Pell Grants for people to go to college. It wasn't used to pay for debt. Nothing the federal government spends money on did they use any of your money. That's not what happens with tax dollars that you spend or that, that, you, can, that you pay. The money goes away. It just disappears. What the federal government is doing is putting new money in the economy every time it spends and then taking out money from the economy and eliminating it. What it's then doing is making sure there's not too much money in the economy. This is why a what's called a sovereign currency, meaning sovereign, meaning it only speaks, it only is responsible for itself. It's the top of the chain. Nothing tells our currency what to do as currency, right? Other than our uh, governmental choices and and how uh, however well the economy is going. That that's all. We're, we're, it's not it's not contingent on anything else. It's sovereign. It's it's its own own entity. This is what happens with a sovereign currency. Is that a sovereign currency? produces is produced and then it's taken away it's eliminated so what they're what you're doing then in, a, in an economy like this with a sovereign currency is you're trying to prevent there from being too much money in the economy and causing the prices of things to go up or too little money in the economy causing there to be a shortage on dollars both of those things happen it's called inflation of prices or deflation of prices but it also has to do with currency itself We've seen it happen in other governments where there's not enough money. Think about Greece, didn't have enough money and they couldn't produce enough and they had too many obligations and the currency collapsed. So you don't want a currency to collapse. So that's the thing that you worry about at a federal level with a sovereign currency is what happens, what's the impact of there being this amount of money available in the economy? In other words, that's been put into the economy that has been created by Congress saying spend, which means make money and insert into the economy. That money goes into the economy and then is swirling around in the economy. And then we take some out via taxes and some fees and so on. But anytime, anytime money sent to the federal government, it just is eliminated from existence, taken off the books. So this is how they're keeping track of it. So let that sort of soak in for a minute and then realize that when we talk about the deficit, 
the U.S. federal deficit is the amount of difference between how much money the federal government has spoken into being through spending, created and spent, that total amount from the beginning of creating the dollar until today, that total amount, however much Congress has said, spend this much money, that's on one side of the equation. That amount, I really should have a graphic for this, that amount minus the amount of money that has been taken out of the economy primarily through taxes. The difference between how much money has been put in, created, and how much is taken out, the difference is called the deficit. Now, this is where the terms matter. In no other place in the world do we call that a deficit. Why do we call it a deficit? What the deficit, the federal deficit is, is how much money the federal government has not taxed the American people in comparison to the amount of money that the federal government has created. One of the reasons that a federal economics like this becomes so confusing for people is because this sheer reality is how it works but most of us have never had this explained to us. So then we think that it functions like every other economy and every other government entity, right? Like our own personal economies or business economies or how anytime you hear a congressperson or somebody in, 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 in talking about these things in media or news or whatever and says, you know, just like your household budget or just like a business, you have to not the federal government. It ain't just like any of those things. It's actually nothing like it at all <laughs> on this point on on this point that where does the money come from it's created so the deficit is the difference between how much money has been put into existence through the US treasury in the total time of the federal government and the amount of money that's come out in taxes if you wanted that number to be zero because you think deficits are bad at the federal budget level Deficits are bad. We should have zero deficit. Then what you would want, what you'd be saying is, we will then tax people the same amount that's ever been created and put into existence. Then you would have it be zero. Why would you want that? <laughs> what then you would have done was eliminated all the money, right? If you took out as much money as was ever put in, you wouldn't have any money left because the money, when it comes out, goes away. So you have to have this deficit, right? Or there wouldn't be any money. This, this is the thing that's just hard about thinking about sovereign currencies makes things difficult for people to, to grasp and understand. So you might say to yourself, what then is a debt? What's, what's the debt that the United States government has? Well, one of the other ways that the United States government takes money out of the economy, makes it disappear, other than taxes, is to sell people U.S. savings bonds. Here's how this works. I have a bunch. Maybe you have some. People buy savings bonds. It's when, when people are like, hey, they're gonna, we're going gonna to get in the federal bond market because it's the safest. Here's what that means. The government says, look, if we go taxing people, 
and taking all their taking all the money out of the economy. It's just going to become a bizarre, wicked little cycle, right? It's, it's just going to be, you know, we're going to be bouncing this thing around all the time. So rather than taking the money out in taxes, what if we did this? What if we said, hey, Mr. Padgett, if you give us $50 right now, you give us $50 in 20 years, we'll give you $65 or $75 or $100. Here's why that would help us. This is Uncle Sam, you know, chit-chatting with me in my imaginary conversation about what a savings bond is. If you give us $50 right now, here's why that helps us. Because then the function is just like the money went away, but you're going to get it back someday. So you're not being taxed. You're going to get back more money. But what you're doing is helping us to take money out of the economy without it having a same level of effect. So now what I need to do, federal government side, federal government says what, what we need to do on the federal government side is we need to make sure we're keeping track of the $50 you gave us that we then took away out of the economy, we now need to give you not only back that $50, but $65, but another $15, $65, or turning your bond $75 or $100, whatever we're going to give you back in when the, when the bond expires. So you're helping us cash flow and cash disappear in a more reasonable way. Okay. That is what we call the debt. The money that is owed to the American taxpayers and anybody else who buys a U.S. bond, but the majority is U.S. taxpayers, that somebody said 25 years ago or 50 years ago, 70 years ago, you take some of money out, $50, $100, a billion dollars, whatever, however much it is, and then we'll give you back a little bit more later because you're helping us with the cash flow. And that difference, the not the $50, but the $15 that you're going to get more. We got to keep track of all that. So we've been keeping track of the $50 that we took out, but we're also keeping track of the $15. That becomes new money, new money that now we have to create because it didn't exist before. We don't get it from anywhere else. It has to exist. So we're going to make it. Your $50 gone, whatever. But we're going to give you back this $15 additional. We got to keep track of that. That's what every budget the federal government has to account for. It's one of the expenses that gets built in. So when the Republicans say to you, we might default on our debt, the people they are defaulting on is the American taxpayer who has bought a bond. It's me and you, if you own a bond. They want to shirk their responsibility to pay you or to pay the pension plan that bought a bunch of these that you might be in or any of the investments you have that own some of this. That's the idea that we're in debt to China. It just turns out that China bought a bunch of these savings bonds too. That's all that is. We're not, we're not borrowing money on a credit card. This idea that people say it all the time. I hear Republicans say this nonsense all the time. We've been running up the national credit card. It's not a credit card. We literally create the, the money, the Federal Reserve does, 
and then says, hey, if you take some of your money out willingly rather than by force, by taxes, take it out willingly, we'll pay you a little bit extra because that'll help keep this whole thing flowing. That's what they call the debt. So every year you have to account for that. So why is it ridiculous to have a debt ceiling? Because the debt ceiling has nothing to do with new spending. The debt ceiling is not, is, hear this really clearly, the thing they're arguing about right now is not that Congress is deciding how much money to spend. In fact, I'll pop up this little quote from, here's a little quote from the Government Accountability Office. The Government, Government Accountability Office explains what this debt ceiling is this way. The debt limit, the debt ceiling that Congress puts it on itself, that self-imposes, the debt limit does not control the ability of the federal government to run deficits or to incur obligations, meaning it has nothing to do with how much money they're going to spend, how much money is going to be created and inserted into the economy. Rather, it's a limit on the ability to pay obligations already incurred. The past behavior it's not like, let's have a balanced budget amendment, okay? A balanced budget amendment kind of idea or a balanced budget means whatever amount of new money Congress is going to create and spend is also going to come out so no new money goes into the economy. Now, once you understand that this is how the federal government works, you got to be asking yourself, why wouldn't we want there to be more money? Doesn't more money create more? Of course it does. We can get to that stuff later about like implications about how policy should be implemented. But the point of, of a debt limit is to say, hey, we, we can't pay the people back who took their money out voluntarily from the economy and did that under the agreement that we were going to give them extra money if they voluntarily took their money out to help control this so that it wasn't punitive. Because taxes are always punitive. So if you can find a positive way for someone to do it, like a savings account, well, that seems better to people. So if you take money out willingly, knowing you're going to get some more money back, it's good for you. It's good for the federal government. It's not as punitive as taxes. It's easier to keep track of. It's a really good idea. It's a great mechanism and tool. So that's why we use it. We use it all the time. We should use it. And then the amount of money that we're going to pay people to be in that exchange with their own government, or if they're from another government buying these same bonds that you and I could buy or your pension plan could buy or your retirement plan could buy, that's the money that Republicans are saying they don't want to pay people. That's the money. They don't want to pay you back. They said, could we borrow 50 of your dollars and then in the next number of years we'll give you back $65. And now these Republicans are saying, yeah, we don't want to give you that $65 anymore. We, we, we don't want to give it to you. It's really, it's really quite stunning, isn't it? So that's what the debt ceiling is. And here's why it's just ridiculous to have it. The debts, the 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 deficit is going to go up as long as people keep saying the federal government is a safe place to put our money. If I can put my money in the federal with the federal government, have them hold $50 bond, $100 bond, the $5,000, $100 bonds, whatever, they're going to hold that money for me. I know I'm going to get it back, all of it, plus some more. That's a really good savings plan. And what they're saying with the debt ceiling is, 
We want to limit the amount that we will pay in any given year back to people. We're going to limit that amount. So then people would be like, well, okay, I guess there's no more bonds then because they decided ridiculously. And every time we put more money in the economy and then people choose the bond route to take their money out, eh, we, we lose it. Then it's gone. It's bonded. It's protected. <laughs> so it's just the fact that we have a debt ceiling. This is why people are saying things like we shouldn't have a debt ceiling. And then people are like, you're saying we should just spend money without any regard to anything. There should be no limit. That's not what it even means. And look, it's not only Republicans who have this all convoluted or are lying to you, to us. Joe Biden was asked, I just saw a video. I don't know when it was, but it was in this period of time. Do you think we should get rid of the debt ceiling? Because so many people recognize that it's a self-imposed limit to say, we told people we were going to give them back their money plus some interest. And the debt ceiling now says we can't do that. Don't you think we should remove that debt ceiling so we can just fulfill the obligations of this thing that has allowed people to save and to allow the economy to go? Shouldn't we get rid of that? And he's like, no, that would be ridiculous. We have to have a debt ceiling. No, we don't. No, we don't. The debt, look, the debt ceiling is not a real thing. It's not a balanced budget which is, would be a bad idea. It's not even trying to get to the point where we're going to take out all the amount of money that we're putting in. Bad idea. All it's doing is saying we're not going to pay the money that we already told people we were going to pay them if they took their money out voluntarily. Okay, so why do we have it? Here's why. Because it serves the function of the party that controls the House of Representatives. And on occasion, the people that control the House of Representatives, don't also control the White House. Sometimes they might not control the White House or the Senate. It's true right now for Republicans. They have control of the House. They don't have control of the Senate or the presidency. A few years ago, Democrats had control of the House but didn't have control of the Senate or the presidency. So what do you do when you're in that situation? You feel a little bit powerless. So if you can... Lose the deal on setting the first, the budget when budgets get set, but you have this little thing that says, oh, we could use this as leverage to get something else. See, here's what Republicans aren't saying. They're not saying let's reduce spending in the current budget. They're talking about future spending. They're talking about past spending. That's all they're talking about. And they're saying, we want to use this as a negotiating tool. We're not going to pay you back till we get this other thing figured out. Here's an analogy I've been working on. I'm not sure it holds, but I'm going to try it with you. Let's say I say to my neighbor, Joe, hey, Joe, Joe, you think I could, uh, think I could borrow $50? I, I, I got a little thing and uh, I, I don't know. I lost my, I lost my debit card or something. I need 50 bucks for the weekend. And, and, and I'd love to, I'd love to pay you back that $50. And Joe's like, sure, of course I can pay you back $50. So I say, okay. So he gives me $50. I go get whatever I need for the weekend. Monday comes around. Joe says, uh, Hey, were you, uh, were you able to get back, back, you get your bank stuff worked out? Can you, you got that 50 bucks? And I'm like, you know, Hey, as it turns out, I'd like to talk about our fence. I'd like to talk about the we're fixing the, the fence that sits on your side, but we share the fence. It's kind of your obligation. So Joe, I kind of thought maybe if you paint the fence 
I'll give you back that $50. And Joe's like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute, man. Like that $50 that I lent you over the weekend because you lost your debit card and you needed 50 bucks, you, you, that doesn't have anything to do with the fence. Yeah, but you know, I've been trying to talk to you about the fence and I feel like you don't listen to me about the fence. And since you don't listen to me about the fence, I really feel like this might be the time for us to talk about the fence. You know what I'm saying? You got 50 reasons, Joe, to talk about the fence. What would you think of that neighbor? <laughs> what do you think Joe should say about it? When Joe's chatting with his friend later and he's like, you know, I got this neighbor and he owes me 50 bucks and he won't pay me until I negotiate with him about the fence. You like that? Yep, that's what they're doing. The debt ceiling is how much money did we promise people we'd pay them if they participate in the economy in this way? And then the Republicans are saying, and look, Democrats have said this before too, but right now it's Republicans saying this. I want to talk about the fence before we, before we pay those people back. Here's what's even worse. Between, in this little analogy, it's it's not even like between me and Joe that I'm saying, I, I, fix the fence before I give you back the money. It's worse than that. I got to, I got to fix this. It's the money's owed to somebody else. And I don't want to give it to that other person until Joe fixes the fence. See, because when they negotiate with Biden, Biden doesn't get the money. Democrats don't get the money. The American people get the money. It would be more like i got a box of cookies, Girl Scout cookies from my neighbor, Joe's kid. But I said, Hey, I, I don't have the money right now for the Girl Scout cookies, but could I just get the cookies now? Cause I got this little thing going on. I'd love to eat them. And then, and then I'll pay when I got some cash. And four days later, they see me and they say, Hey, you know, we gotta, we gotta have you pay for those, those cookies that you ate. I'm like, can we talk about the fence? And then Joe's like, no, man, like, Pay my kid for the cookies. Separate deal. Pay the obligation you owe for the cookies. Yeah, this is my really only chance, I think, to get your attention on the fence. That's what Kevin McCarthy's doing. I'm not going to pay you for the cookies until we talk about the fence. Madness. The biggest madness is because that's not even how the federal government works. They're just doing something else and using the debt ceiling. As the reason. So a lot of us say, just get rid of the debt ceiling altogether because it's arbitrary and ridiculous. A lot of people even argue it's against the Constitution because the Constitution, the 14th Amendment, says you can't not pay your debts. So we can have a big constitutional argument about it. But look, Democrats don't have an appetite for that. The Biden administration doesn't have an appetite. They're not pushing this thing on a sue Congress to do the right. They're not going to do the trillion dollar coin. Here's where the trillion dollar coin fits in, by the way. And I'll look at comments here in a second. So I don't know if people have already brought up the 14th Amendment and the, the, the trillion dollar coin. But here is this great innovation around the trillion dollar coin. Because the Treasury produces the money that exists in the world, right? And Congress says, generate a billion dollars. It's a new, Congress says, we want to spend a billion dollars. The Treasury then says, not, hey, could somebody look around and see if we got a billion dollars laying around here somewhere? What they say is, okay. We'll create them. We'll create a billion dollars. That's what Congress has told us to do. That's all we do is what we're told to do in that. We, we function this side. We'll create a billion dollars of new dollars. 
Now you all got to figure out if money's coming out, but we're putting it in. We got a, a lake full of water. We're dumping in a billion gallons. And if you don't want that thing to flood, you better take some money. You, you better take some water out, but here it comes, here comes a billion dollars. So the, so the money goes in. That's, that's how it works. They produce the money and put it into the economy. And then somewhere it's got to come out. The trillion dollar coin, here's the idea. The treasury can say, we can determine how much the value of a coin is worth. So we can create a trillion dollars in budget in one coin. Never spend it. Just have it exist in the world. It just exists. Now we have the money. They can literally do that. Congress has to allow them to do it, or the president or the executive branch, somewhere there's some complications about how this thing could happen. Currency gets reallocated in its amount of value, and there's a way to create a trillion-dollar coin, solve the problem. They're not going to do it because the Biden administration doesn't want to. The Biden administration doesn't want to change the limits that Congress puts on itself about paying people what is owed. Why? Makes no sense to me. Totally they should. But even even more importantly, keep the ridiculous debt ceiling. Who cares? Just never use it to negotiate the fence. Just let it exist because whatever benefit it gives to certain people, but you never use it. Because that's what everyone is saying. It's what Mitch McConnell is saying. That's what Joe Biden is saying. We will not default on our debt. So then why have a debt ceiling? If you will, this is the point the Republicans are making, and they're right about this. If you're never going to use it, why have it? And I make the same argument. Get rid of it. You have three choices. If you're never going to use it, why have it? You have three options. One is get rid of it. You don't need it because you're never going to use it. The second is use it and destroy the economy. The third is have it and never use it. Well, then what's the friggin' point? <laughs> Isn't any? So we've gotten ourselves into this. This is Tyler Durden, if you know Fight Club. Sorry for the spoiler alert, but come on now. It's been 25 years, 30 years. This is Tyler Durden from Fight Club, the movie Fight Club, the character, punching himself in the face and telling himself a story that he's a member of the Fight Club. Kevin McCarthy and Republicans, you're not the members of the Fight Club. You're punching yourselves in the face. And you're flailing around and hurting all the rest of us. This whole thing should just stop. It just needs to stop. All right. Uh, that's a long rant on this. How, how long has this been? Yeah, 39 minutes. It's a 39. You know, it probably should have been a four-minute rant, uh, but, you know, mm, so it goes. All right. Uh, just going to see. All right. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Yabitz. Uh, nice to see you. Hi, everybody. Thanks for the updates. Thanks to all of you on YouTube. We appreciate that. It's our, our premium place to have you. Leaf, I love you there on Facebook, too. Thanks for being there. But head over to our YouTube channel as well. just helps us out on things. Um yeah, uh, Yabit says terms are used for political purposes. Uh, absolutely, absolutely the case, uh, Yabit. Um, uh, and yes, uh, agreed, the federal budget is totally different than that of, of our households. Um, uh, 
and and Alex is saying that uh, we we did an interview with somebody named Stephanie Kelton. She's one of the great economists and writers on this idea of how the economy, explaining how the economy actually works and the federal government is different than the others, not a household budget and stuff. And there's a book called The Deficit Myth, and we've done some interviews around it about her, and she's been on some other interviews and some other things, and we'd love for you to take a look at all that. It's in our playlist if you look up deficits or myth or any of that on uh, our YouTube channel. You can find all of that. Um, uh, all right. So then Leaf's got uh, lots of good comments. Um, we can operate uh, at a zero budget. We can create more money for more people. Yeah. Look, if you operate at a zero budget, uh, me meaning no new money comes in, no money comes out, um, that that limits the the engine of, of an economy. And you really want there to be uh, an, an engine. Um, the, the, the interest payments that are, okay. Okay. Here's the thing about, uh, so, so, uh, uh, Leaf has this thing, Leaf, I'm not sure if this is what you're saying, but I just want to comment about this, this idea that the interest payments are what are killing our, our budget. The federal budget can be as big as we want it to be. If, if we say, Hey, we're going to just make, we're going to give everybody like we did in COVID. We're just going to give everybody X amount of dollars spend, I don't know, pick, pick the number, a trillion dollars. Cause we did that like three times during Trump's administration, once during Biden administration, trillion dollars. We're going to just create, and everybody's going to get it. People are like, well, where's that money going to come from? Where all money from the federal government comes from created by the treasury. Well, that's going to then create a deficit. The deficit again is the difference between the amount of money that the government has created over its entire existence and the amount of money that has come out in taxes or been removed voluntarily by some sort of a, of a bond buying program. That's one of the, that's, that's the deficit. The deficit's that difference. It's not, it's not money you owe or anything. The thing that gets us into, we owe money is when you say, Hey, buy that bond for 50 bucks, give me $50. We'll give you back 65. Now you got a $15 additional budget impact. That's not the same as a debt to federal government. The words don't mean the same thing. It's only call the deficit and call the debt in relationship to the other side of the spreadsheet. You know how when you do a spreadsheet like in Excel or in numbers or whatever, and it puts those little parentheses around when you're in a negative, that's in relationship to the number in the other column. That's all that's being talked about here. The money's not actually owed the money's the deficit is the difference between the two. When we've said, hey, you give us your money voluntarily, we'll give you more money, then you have to build that in to future budgets to cover that. But the federal government can just spend as much as it wants. You know how we know this? Because it's all we've been doing. It's how we funded World War II. Where do you think all the money for World War II came from? Where do you think all the money for COVID came from? Where do you think all the money comes from? We're not getting the money from someone else and then respending it. The federal government creates it. So, um, uh, all right. Uh, if it's only being used, uh, let, let me see if I can get this straight. If it's only being used to establish a false narrative about Fed debt and deficits to use leverage for public needs to be informed about about reality, another example of why trust is eroded. Yeah. Oh, so, so what Alex is getting at here, and Alex, I think you're exactly right about this. When the way the federal government works, and look, Kevin knows how this works. Mitch, Joe, they know how it works. Marjorie, pretty sure doesn't know how this works, but I know those three do. 
So as they're negotiating, they know how it works. They know what they're doing with, they owe the neighbor money for the cookies or for the money they borrowed and they're not paying them back till they talk about the fence. They, they get that. And that's what erodes trust to Alex's point. That's the thing that makes people say, holy moly. All right. Uh, Leaf says, uh, labor helps create money. Labor doesn't create any money. Money is not created by anything but the federal treasury. If you got labor creating money, that's, there's a name for that. That's counterfeit money. All labor does, you work, I work, everybody works. Well, some people work. That's moving money that already exists around. It's creating need. It's creating desire and creating money. There's no new money created by that. It doesn't come from that. It's not, it's not H2O. Uh, it's not water going into a human body and then coming out as you know carbon dioxide. That's not what's happening. Labor doesn't create any money. These are things that we've been told and things that would sort of make some sense. Labor moves money. Spending moves money. It keeps the circulatory system going, but doesn't create new money. Only the federal government creates money. And when they do, they don't create it out of old money. They get rid of old money and they put in new money. And I'm not talking only about like they take out old pennies and then put in a new penny, you know, or old dollar bills that when they go to a bank and they're like, hey, this one's ratty, put it in that bag and then we'll burn it. And then they, they do it on balance sheets. Money goes away, money comes in. I'm not talking just literally about the actual currency because there aren't enough coins and bills that have been created to represent all the money that exists. When, when, when you got a money in your bank account from the federal government, whether you got a tax refund or you got COVID money or a PPP loan or whatever, money came in from the federal government into your bank account, they didn't actually produce a corresponding dollar bill with the picture of a president on it, right? And not what they do. They just created it in, in reality. Um, and, and this, this is what makes it so hard to have these conversations about this stuff because the federal government is so different than all the other governments. The minute you talk about California spending or Minnesota spending or Louisiana's spending or Mississippi's underspending, the minute you do that, that governor, that legislature, they're not whipping up money. They're not, they're not members of Congress in Washington. They're people in state legislatures and governors of states. They've got to go get the money from the bank, not the treasury. They don't get to create it. They don't get to say, we will now generate our budget and here comes the new money. Yeah, but the federal government does exactly how it works. And then the old money comes out. Uh, yeah. So, so here, here again is the thing. Um, it's like 20% of our taxes for the federal government is going to pay debt or services to the debt. Again, the debt is the money owed to people who own these bonds. Most of it's American citizens. So in going somewhere else and the fact that we would need to increase the budget by 20% to pay back people, the money that we promised we were going to pay them back when we ate their cookies. That 
money, just build the budget by more 20% more. It doesn't matter. The only thing we should worry about is, is there too much money in the economy and does that cause inflation? Inflation is going to be caused by two things, more money than is needed. So money then gets devalued or there's not enough of a thing to fill a need. Inflation that we're experiencing now, it was not caused because too much COVID money came in. The thing that's been being tested in the last number of years from the Trump tax giveaway, which put a bunch of money, kept a bunch of money in the economy. By the way, big tax cuts like for the rich means, hey, we're not taking that money out of your bank account and making it disappear. We're not, we're not disappearing your money anymore. You can leave it in your bank account. So what that does is then leaves more money in the economy. It would be the same thing as making that money new and putting it in the economy to leave it in there, right? Do you see how that would work? If what you do when you tax is take money out and make it disappear, and what you do with new spending is put money in, the effect of putting new money in or leaving money in bank accounts is the same. So a bunch of money came in that way, stayed in the economy that way. A bunch of new money came in during COVID because people just needed there to be more money, not because there wasn't enough money in the economy, but because money wasn't circulating in the economy. Because it's still existing in people's bank accounts, right? But it's not being passed around anymore. People aren't going to a hot dog stand. People aren't going to work. People aren't riding in an Uber. People aren't exchanging things. People aren't having their houses painted. People aren't doing all the things that cause the money to move. So what did the federal government do? Said, let's get the money moving by pumping a bunch of money into your bank accounts. Like, like when you're, you're starting your lawnmower and you're pushing the primer, you're pumping a bunch of gas into the, into the, the spark plug area. That's what they're doing. Putting a bunch of money in to get the thing going. And the worry was, hey, we put too much money in. There's going to be too much water in the lake. It's going to overflow, and then it's going to cause money to become less valuable, and that will cause prices to go up. So if you, a banana used to cost 50 cents, but now everybody's got 50 cents, so now a banana's like, I bet we could get 65 cents for that banana. Prices go up. But that's not what happened. That's not what's caused this inflation. What we know about what's caused inflation is that there's not enough of certain things. Computer chips, housing, healthcare. A bunch of people decided like, hey, during COVID, like I got to get some stuff worked on. I, I, got, I got a little time now. I got a little break. So the healthcare industry got crushed. Too much demand. Too much demand, too little product is what's caused it. It's the What's it called? The chain issues, the, the, not the uh, blockchain, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, the thing everybody blames for everything. Like we, 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 the supply chain. Thank you. The supply chain is, is the problem. <laughs> yeah. It is the supply chain. That that's what's caused inflation. So we've had this huge test case the last five years. Can we put too much money in? Will it cause inflation? Because for a long, long, long time, the reason there were 0% interest rates was because we were trying to get inflation to come up. What our Federal Reserve wants is inflation somewhere around 2%. You don't want it at 0% or 1%. You want a little bit of inflation. You want to keep the thing sort of moving. You want things to cost a little more every year. That's what keeps the flow going. The new money comes in, old money disappears, and that's how the flow keeps going. You need a little bit of that. You don't want too much. You don't want 5%. You don't want 6%. 
It's very Goldilocks here. You don't want one. You don't want five. You want two. That's what they've been trying to get to. Economists I like to listen to are like, yeah, and that that like penalizing people for borrowing money, making it more expensive to borrow money. That doesn't that, that doesn't work. So that's what's uh, that's what's going on. That's the debt and deficit uh, uh, conversation. Let me see if um, Leaf look up vote common good on uh, the YouTube channel and you'll find it there. Um, all right, so so. I, I like putting this up for, for Leaf. Leaf's, by the way, a super watcher and supporter of all this. And I'm not sure which point Leaf was saying this, but he could have picked almost any point, I bet he would say. and be like, no, 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 you can't. We have tax bases for the federal bu- bu- federal government. Uh, it disappeared. Hang on. You can't. Uh, you cannot just create money. The deficit is not the same as what you're saying. It is. That's what the... That's what the deficit is. And yes, that's what the Federal Reserve literally does. And the way they do it is when Congress spends money. That's actually how it works at the federal level. It's the only place money comes from. You should argue it. You should push back. I mean, look, don't believe stuff you read on, you, you listen to on the internet. Uh, you know, uh, inquire it for sure. Please, please do. And it'll become clear as to, well, I see why I would have thought that that's not the way it works. First of all, people keep telling you that. And secondly, it's not the way all the governments work. So it gets really confusing. The Federal Reserve is a unique character in the flow of, of uh, all these things. Um, okay. Leaf goes on to say, you cannot just create that much money. I then could just create money and spend it. No, you can't because that's called counterfeiting. So we only allow the Federal Reserve to create money, the Treasury Department. Sorry, we only allow the Treasury Department to create money. And then the Federal Reserve manages that money through the banking system. That's what banks are. Banks are authorized to have money distributed to them via the Federal Reserve from the Treasury that was created out of nothing by the order of Congress. And now that money exists and now banks distribute that to people and are the, are the, the interface for such a thing. All right. Uh, Robin's got a long one. Boy, I hope McCarthy isn't calling 45 for advice uh, after his comments at the end of, but defaulting on our loans, good grief, taking advice from a man who filed for bankruptcy. Uh, numerous times the debt limit no longer acts as a buffer to make an acceptable budget. Yeah. And look, I think Robin's making a good point about some other things too. There was a point, maybe you remember when Donald Trump said, look, debt's a good thing. There are very few times that I agree with Donald Trump about things. Um, you know, firing Jeff Sessions, totally with him on that one. Just occasionally, you know, occasionally we're blind squirrels that find the same nut, but not very often. But on the point about sometimes debt's a good thing, especially when you're talking about a deficit, because the words deficit and debt are not the same thing, by the way. Deficits and debt, right? You know, they're different. They're spelled differently be snarky. Uh, they also have different meanings to them. The, the debt is what we owe people for the money that we said we were going to pay them back. The deficit is the amount of money that's the difference between what was created and what's been disappeared from the economy via my taxes. It's a good thing we have that. We should have it. I know, look, I know, and I'm not just being a liberal here. I'm just saying 
based on how an economy work, a sovereign currency economy works, you don't want there to be zero difference between the amount of money created and the amount of money that was taken out. Once you realize that's what the deficit is, you're like, okay, that really changes. That really changes things. Uh, uh, they have to the Federal Reserve and the mints. They also gave the president the power to do it through the trillion dollar coin idea. I think Leaf might be on another. Uh, actually, only Congress can create money and Congress can delegate that authority. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. That's that's what I was saying. Congress says, here's the budget. Make this money. And the Treasury does what they're told to do. And they create the money. Congress does it. But they don't. Congress doesn't say, let's spend the money that already exists. They say spend new money, make new money. That's how it goes. All right. Well, that's that's nearly an hour now uh, on this. And, you know, imagine if there was a conversation partner here and I wasn't, you know, talking to myself or like like old comments in the in the stream. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, share this widely with your friends, would you? Uh, visit us over at votecommongood.com if you've never been over there. Say hello. Get our email list. I, we send emails three, four times a week. I do it. Rob does it. Dan does it. A bunch of people around our Jen does it. A bunch of people around our world send send emails and say hello to you and, and do all kinds of stuff. So, And we're going to be out doing all kinds of work in the world as we ask voters, especially faith voters, to make the common good their voting criteria. And uh, these uh, live streams and podcasts are all about helping people understand how this all works. So thanks for being a part of all this, all y'all. And uh, next week we'll be back on Tuesday, but I think that's going to be it. It's going to be real light programming week in the week before uh, Memorial Day. So uh, thanks to all of you. Um, oh, okay. That's a great point. See, I won't quit. Danny, uh, th that, I, I wish I had said that, Danny. The national debt, uh, the national debt, the so-called national debt is nothing more than treasury securities. Well said. And if you know what securities are and treasury securities, it's like, it's exactly it. And, you know, I try to use like Girl Scout cookies and neighbors and fences instead of treasury securities because a lot of us don't even know what in the world that security is or treasury security. But that's the point. That's what the deficit is. Uh, all right. Well, we're not in a deficit of your common goodery around here. So thanks for being a part of all this. And we will talk to you all on the flip side.